0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's word and get more out of the word. I'm Ben Blakey, it's Saturday, January 22nd, 2022. It can be easy to look out at the world and see the wickedness and really the worldliness of the world. And sometimes it's easy to look at Bible passages that show really some kind of sin that, that's just in a spectacular fashion, just so out there, so in front, so wicked that you look at it and you say, oh, that's, that's disgusting. However, it is much harder to realize sometimes how the world has an effect on us. How the wickedness of the world can creep its way into our own lives and our own hearts. And that's something we need to think about when we look at the story, really, of Lot and Lot's wife and Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to see that in the Old Testament today as we look at Genesis 19 through 21. And if you remember, we leave off with Abraham interceding for Sodom. God, if you find enough people, will you not destroy the city? Well, now we see the continuation of that story. We see the two angels come to Lot, and then we see the exceeding wickedness of the city of Sodom. As these two angels, who were kind of in the appearance of men, they come and... uh, Lot brings them into his house, and all the men of the city gather around, and in verse five, they call to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them, right? This is just over-the-top wickedness, all right? Not only just the sexually perverse and deviant nature of their desire, right, this homosexual passion that they are expressing here, yet also just really what they're asking to do is really a form of sexual assault. This is just all kinds of perversion, all kinds of wickedness, and you look at this and you just kind of say, yuck, like this is just disgusting sin. But what we need to realize, though, is there's a way that even Lot ended up in this situation. There's a way that Lot's wife ends up the way that she does, and we need to take warning. Remember the simple words that we'll read about later that Jesus says in his ministry when he says, remember Lot's wife. Uh, For instance, how in the world is Lot even here in Sodom? Well, that takes us back to the conflict that he had with Abraham, that Abraham and him couldn't get along because of the greatness of their possessions. Wealth caused conflict, something to maybe learn from there. So they decided to part ways and Lot picks Sodom because it looks good. Lot picks something that he thinks will lead to financial success for him. How many people today end up putting themselves in a tough position, putting themselves in a way where they are surrounded by the wickedness of the world, and they justify it by saying this will be what's best for business, this will be what's best for my pocketbook, or maybe even this is what will be best for my family. Well, did this end up being what was best for Lot's family in the end? Of course not. Uh, And we see that there's terrible consequences on his family as a result of his choice, even of where they lived. So for starters... Let's not just look out and be like, whoa, that was wicked. That was crazy. For one thing, we need to realize that our culture is moving more and more this direction than we realize. For that reason, this story should hit closer to home than we might want to admit. But then we need to take it one step even farther where we're not just saying, wow, my culture sounds like this, but we take it to where, hey, my heart needs to guard against this. Am I going to compromise really the health of my family or, or the health of my spiritual life for some kind of financial gain that, that did not work out well for Lot. And then, of course, we see Lot's wife turn around and look back at some point during the destruction, and she became a pillar of salt. And of course, the angels had warned her, do not look back. All of them run, get out of here, do not look back. But she does. She looks back. And that is another warning that we all need to heed. How many times are you going to be tempted to look back? If you are a Christian, you have been born again. Praise God. You are a new creation in Christ. However, we will all face the temptation to look back. And really, I think not just to, to remember, "Wow, God saved me, that's amazing, but really to look back with fondness on some level to our sin. Do you ever experience that? Are you ever tempted to look back at something in your life that wasn't right, but you kind of want to look back at it with kind of a longing in your heart and and almost cherish some aspects of your former sin or your former way of life? Watch out. That's a dangerous path to go on. And again, here we, we see really the wily nature of worldliness, how it can weasel its way into our hearts into our lives, into our families. And Genesis 19 needs to stick out like a massive warning saying, watch out, watch out for worldliness. And the ways that uh, the evil of our culture can influence our own hearts, can influence our families. And then we see, obviously, the effect now with Lot and his daughters living in a cave cave outside of all of this destruction. I mean, for one thing, we see Lot and how he gets drunk, and that leads to problems. We see really the abuse of alcohol leading him into other kinds of, of sin and perversion and his daughter's coming up with this plan. And I think you've got to see the stain of Sodom even on this family as they've left here. But even these young women, now they're not thinking about their situation in a godly way. They're thinking about it in a worldly way and using corrupt worldly means to really do something they think they need to do for their family. So as we think through Genesis 19, let's not just make this, wow, that's That's a crazy story about some far off wicked civilization. Let's realize, no, our culture is actually heading in a bad direction when it comes in these things. But more importantly, we want to guard our own hearts, that the world is going to try to weasel its way into our own hearts, to our own thinking. It's going to try to get us to compromise for the sake of success in some way or another, where we need to keep our hearts uh, towards the Lord and not look back at the world, not look back at our old life, not look back at our sin, but keep moving forward towards Christ, towards his kingdom, seeking him. In our other chapters, we see a repetition really of some of Abraham's mistakes as he again uh, calls Sarah to say that he she is His sister. And we see that in chapter 20. But then in chapter 21, we see the birth of Isaac. God has kept his promises. And there should be an amazement uh, to us, even as we read that, to to consider the faithfulness of God. He said, Is anything too hard for me? And he proves, No, there is not. He has kept his promises. And again, we see a, a similar story there, even with Hagar, where again, she is mistreated. And again, God provides. For her, So another very similar lesson with Hagar, but we see some of those things in the rest of our reading there in the Old Testament today. Now let's move on to the New Testament portion, where we're going to switch gears from looking at some early things in the ministry of Christ in the Synoptic Gospels, and that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, to something early in the ministry of Christ in the Gospel of John. And today we're going to look at John 5, 1 through 18. And here we read about Jesus healing a lame man at the pools of Bethesda. And here, a very interesting passage you you see um, there that this man, he has been paralyzed, it says, for 38 years. Now let's have some sympathy for this guy. I don't think this guy proves to be uh, really the most grateful recipient of of the miracles of Christ. I think we see some problems in his attitude, but let's also have some sympathy on him. Imagine 38 years of being an invalid, of not really being able to move. That that is a lot of suffering. And one thing you'll notice in the ESV is verse 4, where is it? Wait, where's verse 4 of chapter 5? Well, we can go into some of those textual issues another time, and you notice this is very uncommon to see, but it seems that at some point somebody added kind of a, a study note or a, a footnote, and somehow it kind of got into the text of scripture. It probably was not a part of the original of John, but it is kind of a helpful explanation. You'll probably still see it if you have an ESV in a footnote in your Bible, where it seemed like there was some superstition uh, that the people were counting on to be healed there at the pools of Bethesda. And that's where today in our day and age, we might not be so out Out in the open, superstitious, we've just really got more sophisticated in it. And I do think one lesson from this is hey, we need to trust God ultimately as the great physician. Don't trust superstitions. And, you know, even now we might think, well, we've got modern medicine or we've got all of these things. Even in those moments, we should still be relying on God. Every time you take medicine, you should pray. And say, God, I'm trusting in you, not ultimately in this medicine. I think this medicine might be helpful. This medicine might be a gift from you, but you are the one who can heal me. Another really interesting thing about this particular story, obviously we see the power of Christ, rise, take up your bed and walk. We see the conflict about the Sabbath and we see this man even going and and telling the religious leaders, well, it was Jesus who healed me. Well, Jesus, he tells the man, see you are well, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And I do believe based on that, somehow, this man's suffering was caused by his own sin. Now, that's where we need to be careful. Not all suffering is a direct result from some specific sin that we have done. You cannot make that a general statement. See our reading through the book of Job, for instance. But that does not mean that sometimes some of our suffering is a direct uh, kind of cause and effect from some specific sin, and here Jesus is warning him: Hey, watch out for the consequences of sin. I have really done something merciful to save you from that, but watch out for sin; it has ugly consequences, and that should be a warning for us as well. Sin can bring all kinds of pain, all kinds of consequences into our life, and uh, no, we're not trying to be, uh, you know. I'm going to be a good little Christian. So, you know, everything can go right. No, that doesn't mean we won't have any suffering, but sin has painful consequences. And because we love Jesus, we want to pursue him and we don't want the painful consequences of sin in our lives. Now, at the end of our passage, it really gets into something that will then develop in the rest of the chapter where Jesus says, my father is working until now and I am working. And notice in verse 18, that how the Jews respond, they seek to kill him because they think Jesus is making himself equal with God. And when we pick this story back up, we want to see, does Jesus say, whoa, 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 that's not what I mean. Or does he actually affirm what they're accusing him of? We'll have to pick that up next time. But for now, let's learn the lessons really from Lot and his family. Let's watch out for worldliness in our own hearts, in our own lives, as we seek to pursue Christ. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church, Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.